0: My first time was terrifying.
1: My first time was scary.
0: Exciting. Shocking, traumatic, sad, awkward, weird, uncomfortable, it's depressing, a relief, I thought I was dying. Meh. <laughs> My first time was horrifying. <laughs> My first time was empowering. My first time. My first time. My first time. My first
1: time. My first time. My name is Janet Mbogwa. I'm a media personality from Kenya, the founder of the award-winning Inuadado Foundation, author of My First Time, which has inspired this podcast about first-time period stories, and I'm a mom of two amazing boys. It's important to me that we continue normalizing and mainstreaming taboo conversations through diverse voices because when everyone is included, everyone wins. Imagine being a girl who is so anxious and excited about starting her period that she lies about it. She lies about starting her period two years before she actually does. That's a little bit about what Kaz did. And so she's going to share her story on my First Time Stories podcast. Kaz is an entertainer, activist, and speaker from Kenya. She's a TED fellow, and her website is kazentertainment.com. She also speaks about why she thinks menstrual justice needs to be mainstream more, and what needs to happen for us to get it to the time and the level where access to information and products are made available to everyone. Here's her story. When was your first period? Tell us about your first period story. You can oh, summarize it. First like of all, my, my first, first time. No way.
0: My first period was too fun. I can't, <laughs> I can't summarize it. It's also okay if it was fun. That's also refreshing because others <laughs> yes. are like, oh my God, my first time. Not the period itself. Oh, okay. The story. Oh, It a fun story. Yeah, you ready. (laughs) I'm ready. Okay. I think. (laughs) (laughs) I was in prep school, in primary school, and I was 12 years old. And everybody in school uh, was getting their period at around this time. And I had not gotten my period. So what did I do? I went and told my mom that I had gotten my period. And so my mom went out and bought all of these pads. And then I had to kind of time it to 28 days and then, and there was no period. There was nothing really. So I lied. Um, And then I had to come clean to my mom. (laughs) So after I think like three months, or honestly it wasn't, it was like after one month, (laughs) I went to mom and I was like, "Um, so I have a confession to make. I didn't actually get my period, I was lying. And,
1: wow. <laughs> and she was just like, why would you lie about
0: <laughs> Yeah, I actually don't remember what happened. I, I, she must have knocked me a good one and I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I, that's I the don't story. remember what happened after that. So when did it eventually?
0: When I was 14. Okay. So. Uh,
1: but that must have been a tough two years, right? When everybody's. Having their period. Everybody had
0: everything before me. Breasts, just like I felt like I was lagging behind. I felt like I was one of those slow growers and slow groomers. But Mm. yes, I did feel like it was kind of like unfair. Why don't I have thing? And I can understand why people feel that way because it's such an important point in your life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then at 14, I remember just like spotting, and then that was when we had those nice big banana leaf. (laughs) <laughs> looking maternity, pad.
1: maternity looking pad. Yes, exactly. Yep.
0: And, um, and wearing one of those and not knowing, not having full education ab- around periods and not knowing what to do. So like, I remember spotting a little bit and throwing the thing in the bin because I didn't know what a period was supposed to look like or mm-hmm. how long. Oh, oh, here's another funny story. And then at the same time, um, re- telling my mom about my period. Now for real, for real at 14. And then she gave me a tampon and uh, tried to explain to me how to use it, and I didn't know. And I went into the bathroom, and I unwrapped, do you remember OBs? Yeah. I unwrapped it, wow. and I put it inside my, my vulva lips, my labia, because I thought it was supposed to lie like a, like a pad. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and how then did that go? My mom said, when it's in properly, you shouldn't be able to feel it. Okay. So th- at that point is when I realized that there I had another hole I didn't know.
1: But also, to that point has
0: yeah I didn't.
1: We, a lot of women don't know. Yeah. To date, we course. don't have a healthy relationship with our reproductive health and system. We don't yeah. have a healthy relationship with our menstruation. We just and don't have a healthy relationship with our vaginas.
0: Yeah, I think it's very okay. unfair because for I had no idea about the. the yeah, that part of my body. I didn't know that there was a urethra and that there was a vaginal canal and yeah. that and the, like, our, our bodies are different. I had no idea yeah. that anything was supposed to go inside. I did not know things were
1: supposed to go inside. So then what did you know about periods? You just knew your friends were starting them?
0: Yes, and I knew that there was blood that was supposed to come from, I thought it came from your urethra actually. Mm. Um, and just that's it. That's it. That, was all, that was it. And then my mom used to call OB Tampons sweets. So, I remember once trying to put that wa- cotton wad in my mouth because I thought it was a sweet. I got stories.
1: That's iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Who else tried to put an OBJ? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's many. Did. Yeah. So, she kind of didn't really also explain oh, she too much. I was just like, here Actually, it is, she, I remember her trying okay. to get
0: my aunties to do it which is so strange because my mom is just was was so liberal but yeah. <laughs> like, but I guess it happened as I grew as older. As you grew
1: older. Yeah. What are your thoughts or what has been your experience around menstruation and identity?
0: I don't have an answer okay. because I don't have a menstruation identity. Um, sort of like correlation. Mm-hmm. If it's there it's great. If it's not mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't see menstruation as a as a sign of womanhood, for example. I don't see uh teens getting their period for their first time being a like welcome to womanhood mm-hmm. because also gender is a social construct. Okay. <laughs> and we'll get into that another day because uh, that's a whole That's a whole other so when yeah. people
1: say it's a sign you're now a woman I know we'll get into it at another time, but in a short answer, why do you not think it's a transition to womanhood?
0: Because gender is a spectrum. Not all people with vaginas are women. Not okay. all people who identify as cis women have periods. It's unfair for people who are not able, who have like um, uh, genetic mm. yeah. mishaps. What mm. does that say about them um, and, the, and their identity with womanhood? It's unfair mm-hmm. to peg this one thing to womanhood because there's so many different variations of what a woman is. There's so many people who don't, who get their period and don't identify as women. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so yeah. yeah, but that's a very important conversation to have.
0: I think the only, the only thing that I'll, I'll add is that I think I've been like really lucky with my periods. Okay. Um, I don't have heavy periods and I don't have painful periods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the only time that I did have heavy and painful periods was when I got, um, vaccinated. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And then it, it ended, but like the vaccination really affected my, my reproductive cycle. Yeah, but then it it went it back came after back, that. Yeah.
1: But globally, there's this issue, and it's the reason I'm so passionate about it. Is that there's a, I think half a billion women and girls, according to the World Health Organization, that don't have access to products, that don't have access to information. Mm. And I feel like it's one of the biggest um, punches in the face in the face when it comes. That's a very sexist issue. That's something that's a natural biological function for most, Mm -hmm. isn't given the kind of attention that it needs. So girls are forced to either compromise themselves to get sanitary towels. That's a huge issue. Sex Mm -hmm. for pads is what it's called. Or just have an indignified way of showing up, whether it's to class or work. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on how we can begin to look at achieving menstrual justice which is what it's essentially called
0: well, that's yeah. a tough question i mean i really admire i really really admire the work you do and i i'm going to ask you a question once we're done with this i like, know <laughs> i'm not supposed to be asking questions it's okay so. you're allowed uh again unlining. i think it's similar to like um conversations around sexuality and just how conversations about menstruation are so taboo I believe that there is a whole process of unlearning that is required. I believe that uh, there is no empathy because um, it's predominantly a specific gender that has their their period, so there's a lot less empathy around the situation because the people who make decisions are n- not necessarily having their period and so uh, I think that I think it's mm. it's it's all in line with um, have equity and equality, yeah.
1: But that's yeah. a good answer. It's, 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 that's a lot of the reason why we still yeah. have period But poverty. I, I
0: really don't know mm-hmm. what the way forward is.
1: I think it's to unlearn and to push for that. And, and people are afraid of it. I think it's having conversations like this. I have found over the years that the more we have conversations, the more we amplify the issues, the more it begins to hit at different people in different spaces to say, huh, I wonder what we can do. And the more people that are asking themselves that, the more we're kind of Mm -hmm. moving closer to solutions and even having frameworks. I know, you know, Scotland is the first country in the Mm -hmm. world that is going to make it. But having frameworks that support menstruators Mm -hmm. in terms of access, those are those are some of the solutions. But you're right. It will start with unlearning and a lot of empathy, Uh, a lot of empathy. It just and makes From a me country really
0: like like Kenya, that is like one of the most unhappiest countries in the world, mm-hmm. getting empathy from anyone <laughs> is good. good luck. You
1: know, it's funny in the way sad things are funny. That's why we're laughing. Yeah, it's,
0: it's surely it's, sad. Countries should have the the
1: best co- co- comics. comics. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have the best. Some of the best memes. So I yeah. guess you know. That's true.
0: Ken- yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with what Carl said there at the end that we need to continuously unlearn, even as activists, even as advocates, and as a community and society, as long as we don't unlearn the stereotypes that we hold with regards to, to women, with regards to uh, girls, then we will continue to deprioritize the importance of menstrual justice and we will continue to perpetuate stigma and shame. So the progress towards menstrual justice starts with unlearning everything that we thought we knew about periods, including doing away with the shame and the stigma. Thank you for listening to my first time stories. Uh, Continue to follow the, the podcast every week and look out for us across social media on my first time stories. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to my first time stories podcast, where we're pushing for menstrual justice, one story at a time.